Hallelujah. Well, we've been in a series. Pastor Ed's going to be ministering tonight, so I've been doing Sunday mornings the last couple of weeks, and we've been in a series called Bound for Eternity, because when you leave this earth, you're bound for somewhere. You're not going to go to sleep. You're not going to just disappear. Uh, you're going somewhere. Amen? And so we've been, t- we, we, the last couple of weeks, you know, you can listen to the messages on our app. We talk a lot about that. But also, last week, we talked about um, a place that's separate from God, a place uh, called hell. That's just the name of it, Sheol, however you want to call it, uh, that none of us want to go there. Amen? But it, cause, and we really brought it out last week that God said he did not create it for man. He created it for the devil and his angels. He wants all of us to come and be in heaven with him. Amen? So eternity is just a moment away. We don't know, we don't know when we sleep, put our head on our pillow if we're going to wake up tomorrow morning. We don't know that. And uh, we claim the promises of God. But we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about heaven. How's that? Amen? And last week, I promised you that I would come with a few things And talk about, because this is one of the most, if not the number one question that most uh, men of God, preachers, theologians are asked about. Will my pets be in heaven? So I did a little bit of study. I'm going to start with that first, and then we'll go into, we'll talk a little bit about what heaven's going to be like. Amen? And the way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. So um, anyhow, and, and heavenly, honestly, he- heaven is basically, it contains the blueprints of creation. You know, there's streets down here, there's streets in heaven. God's the one that spoke the world into existence. And heaven has streets and mansions, and we're going we're gonna to see a lot of that. It's, the word heaven is found 276 times in the New Testament alone. Amen? It's funny, you know, I was looking up all the different times, you know, and and they have all these different revised versions, you know, because the original, you know, was the King James, and and I'm like, wow, this one only has it 248 times, and this one has it 257 times. I said, oh, well, I'm going to go with the 276 times, okay? (laughs) It's well over 200 that heaven is mentioned just in the New Testament alone. It's going to be wonderful. When we get to heaven, we're going to be able to run up a thousand steps and never get tired. We're going to be able to eat ice cream all day and never gain weight. How does that sound? That sounds pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if God likes ice cream. Some of you, some of you in your head are just saying, does God even eat? Well, Jesus ate, didn't he? Even when he came back after he rose from the dead, he had fish and chips with the disciples along the water. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I got a feeling he likes ice cream. Hallelujah. You know, you don't have to kill a cow to get ice cream. Right? You're so quiet on me today. Come on. So, will my pets be in heaven? You know, there's not a definitive answer to this, but there are many quotes and Bible theologians that believe your animals will be in heaven. I want to read a scripture in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. The Bible says the lion and the lamb shall lay down together, and there are many, many, many more than I even thought of references in the Bible about animals in heaven. How many of you have animals? 
See, I'm talking about animals. Most of you are thinking about your dogs, but some people have lizards and snakes and pet rats and everything else. Who knows, you know? Just uh, they have a lot of pets. <laughs> but Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, look at this. In the New Living Translation, it says, In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard and the goat will be at peace. Calves and yearlings will be safe among lions, and a little child will lead them all. The cattle will graze among bears. Cubs and calves will lie down together, and lions will eat grass as the livestock do. This is, this is Bible. This scripture is in the Bible. Look at this. Babies will crawl safely among poisonous snakes. Yes, a little child will put his hand in the nest of deadly snakes and pull it out unharmed. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, and as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with the people who know the Lord. Amen. I mean, that, that, that alone, there's going to be uh, so many scriptures that I'm going to bring out to you that talk about animals and how God cares for animals. In fact, in Proverbs, it says, I believe it's chapter 12, it says a godly take care of their animals. Amen? I don't know about you, but I, want my, I don't want my animal left behind. If the rapture takes place, who's going to take care of them? Right? With some Christian, okay, now Sunday, it's, it's my turn. Now, I'm telling you, I had never, ever heard that baby cry. <laughs> okay. She's our baby today. That's one of babies that's going to be dedicated. What some Christian leaders, I'm going to read to you what some Christian leaders say what happens to animals after they die. John Wesley. How many of you know who John Wesley is? Famous evangelist. The founder of Methodism taught that humans are stewards of and responsible for the care of God's creation. Wesley spoke with anticipation of a new creation in which God would restore animals to their intended glory. Martin Luther, who founded the Lutheran Church, held a view similar to Wesley's saying, in paradise there was a complete harmony between man and animals. One day again, that harmony will be restored and all creation will be made anew as Christ will be all in all. See, you know, a lot of the things that happen, even with our animals, they didn't happen until after sin came in. Amen? And our sin, you know, the sin of man brought reproach upon everything. In, in his book, how many of you know who Randy Alcorn is? He's got a book and he, that he wrote about heaven. It's a great book. And I, I, and, and I said this earlier. I said, you know, uh, it's funny when you're studying about heaven and hell and you're reading all this stuff and you're listening to stuff and then, and then you're going, you're saying to yourself, oh, I got to get that book and then I got to get this book. And your husband looks at the American Express and he goes, you, you spent like $100 on, I, what did you buy? I go, oh, oh, I bought all these books. <laughs> I'm going to have to read them all. But anyhow, in his book, uh, In Heaven, Randy Alcorn writes, horses, cats, dogs, deer, dolphins, and squirrels, as well as the inanimate, cre inanimate creation, will be beneficia beneficiaries, this is so good, of Christ's death and resurrection. If we believe God is their creator, that he loves us and them, and that he intends to restore his creatures from the bondage they experienced because of our sin, then we have biblical grounds for not only wanting but expecting that we may be with them again on the new earth. Let me read this in Job, Job chapter 12, 7 through 10. It says, ask the animals and they will teach you. Ask the birds of the sky and they will tell you. Speak to the earth and it will instruct you. 
Let the fish of the sea speak to you. They all know that the Lord has done this. For the life of every living thing is in his hand and the breath of all humanity. Amen? Is that our dog? Are our pets not living things? Amen? You know, I, I read this scripture and I was just amazed. You look at Jonah. When you read the scripture of Jonah and God was speaking to him, he said, Jonah didn't want to go. He didn't want to go and he didn't want to preach the gospel there. But in, uh, in verse 10 of chapter uh, 4, Jonah chapter 4, it says, Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. And a plant is only at best short-lived. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city, God says to Noah? Why did God mention the animals? He said, he said you need to go and preach there. You know, he was trying to get Jonah there. There's 120,000 uh, people besides, uh, you know, living in spiritual darkness besides all the, the animals. And so God is concerned about our animals. I believe you, there were so many more scriptures that I could bring, and I'm not teaching the whole, we're not just talking about animals today. We're going to start talking about what heaven looks like. We're going to start talking about our bodies in heaven, what we're going to see, what we're going to think about, and so forth. But um, is that comforting? Hopefully that's comforting to some of you, because I know of you, I know, li listen, how, how, how amazing it is that that's like one of the number one questions that all the theologians get. Even I didn't know that. Is my animal going to go to heaven? Is my pet going to go? You know, God cares about our animals. God, you know, and if you'll pray for him, God will heal him. We had, a, we had a, a little rat terrier, and we had her for 22 years, little Sasha. And I remember when she was about 15 years old, she, I don't know, she jumped off a of bed. She did something bad, and, she, and something happened to her spine. We took her to, she couldn't get up on all four legs. We took her to the vet, and they said, well, we took x-rays, the spine. She has to have surgery. It's going to cost $5,000. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? $5,000? I said, we're, we're going to take her home and think about it. Well, we're, here we are taking a dog home that can't even stand on all four legs. But we put her, we had this cage, and we put her in this little cage, and every day we prayed over her. Our daughter prayed over her. We spoke to her spine. We commanded her legs to be whole. We, we just prayed for her. And you know what? One day, she just got up and started walking, and she lived till she was 22, another seven years. But you know what? Our, we put our hope in God. It wasn't anything we do. We, we, it was impossible. We, didn't have, we couldn't do anything about it. But God cared about our pet. Amen? All right, let's look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, and let's look at some things that are in heaven, okay? In my Father's house are many mansions. Heaven has mansions where we will dwell with Jesus. Let's look at this. It says, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. This is Jesus talking here. And he's saying, in my Father's house is many mansions. He said, I'm, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, 
I am the truth and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I love this portion of scripture. I like to bring it out first because most people are not sure what the way is to heaven. I'm here to tell you that Jesus said he's the way. He is the only way. He's the only truth, and he is the only way into heaven. Amen? The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross. He took your sins. He bore our sins. He bore our iniquities. He took the punishment for everything, and there was a divine exchange made. He, he went to hell for three days and three nights. He paid the price for our sin. But you know what happened? What, he rose from the dead because Jesus never sinned. They couldn't keep him down here. And the Bible says when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's an exchange made and all of his goodness is put into you and all of your sins he takes upon him. Amen? Isn't that good? So he's telling them here, and, I, and that's why I, I like bringing the scripture, but he's telling them here that um, how to get to heaven. You get to heaven through Jesus Christ. You know, I can tell you how wonderful it is and great things about it, but if you don't know how to get there, right? So now you know how to get there, right? You just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way. But here it says there's mansions in heaven. Now, some people say, well, I don't want a mansion. I want a cabin. I want a cottage by the ocean. I want this. I want that. I, I honestly, there's been many people that have had many visions uh, in heaven, and we're going to share an experience that, that some uh, a young man had, but but we're going to try to stick close to the scriptures this morning, okay? So in Revelations chapter 6, 9 through 11, there's so much truth in these verses, and uh, I tell you, the way it talks about heaven, heaven is going to be incredible. It says in verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried, out, they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? These are saints in heaven talking to Jesus. And you're going to see that. We're, we're not to that point right now, but you're going to see that when you leave this earth and you're saved and you're born again, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You're going to see all these saints that are in heaven. Verse 11 says... Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So will we have bodies in heaven? You know, there, there, there are people who have misconceptions and they think we're going to uh, float around on clouds and play harps and kind of be this wisp of air and, and that we're, we're just going to be spirits. Well, well, well you, if you're spirit, how are you going to see each other? You know, that we're just going to be spirits. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna lay back and eat grapes. And, and, uh, but I'm, tell, I'm here to tell you that we are going to have bodies in heaven. And a very simple question comes with this scripture that I, that I just read because a white robe was given to each of them. Very simple question is, why did he give robes to them? if they didn't have bodies. And I know the Bible talks about, I was thinking the other day, I didn't do any research on this, but I was thinking the other day about, you know, put on the garment of praise. We do that by faith. But I thought, I wonder if there's a garment of praise in heaven. I want to wear the garment of praise. We can go in and pick up, pick out our clothes. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a clothing room. Oh, this is a garment of faith. Oh, this is the white robe of righteousness. Or this is, you know, but, but, you know, there are bodies in heaven. Why would everyone need a white robe? 
And I don't think it's like, you know, one size fits all. Like you go in a hospital room, you know, and they never have any ties on the back. You know, I don't think we have a, a robe with an open back, you know, a generic, you know, uh, <laughs> to fit. I don't think, it, I think that it's going to be custom made, custom, custom size, whatever, custom made. It's not going to be um, an X-rated hospital gown that doesn't close. Amen. I think that that robe of righteousness is going to be on us, and we're going to have a robe. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 47. We're talking about, do, are we going to have bodies in heaven? We are going to have a body in heaven. Let's look at this. It says, the first man was of the earth, made of dust, talking about Adam. The second man is the Lord from heaven, talking about Jesus. As was the man of the dust, Adam, so also are those who are made of the dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus. In other words, Adam had an earthly body, and we had an earthly body. But Jesus now is our example. He had an earthly body as well. He got tired. He got hungry. He, he suffered. He died a physical death. But he was resurrected with a heavenly body. And we see that because he came back. He walked on the earth. He fellowshiped with some of his disciples. He sat down and he, and he ate meals. Amen. We're going to be able to eat in heaven and not gain any weight. That would be pretty good not to even think about it, right? Or not to be thinking, oh, is this healthy for me? Is this not healthy for me? Oh, my gosh, you know, should I eat this? This is for this part of my body or that part of it. I think we're just going to have, we're going to enjoy the goodness of God and all that he has made. Amen? But we're, we are going to have a, a, a body in heaven. We're not going to be that, you know, Jesus' body, he, he, was, he walked along the road. He talked to his disciples. He walked through walls. He walked through locked doors. He just, you know, it, it's a resurrected body. And our, our bodies and our spirits reunite at the second coming. Many people don't know this, but remember, uh, Jesus said, touch me. Look and touch the scars in my hand. So there was something that, that they could touch. They could touch Jesus' body. He wasn't just a spirit. He was a physical body. Amen? Wouldn't that have been cool? I mean, have you ever seen anybody raised from the dead? I mean, anybody come and visit you? I mean, his disciples, I mean, that, that had to be pretty exciting. And he said, just, just touch me, you know. So, so we're going to take on our heavenly bodies. We're going to have a, a body, uh, and we're not just, you, you know, the only difference is, is the body that we take on, it's not going to be deteriorating and falling apart. <laughs> I'm not confessing that over here, but I'm just saying, it's not gonna, we're going to have that problem in heaven. I don't believe we're going to have to use our faith for our bodies in heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we are going to have a body in heaven. And, and I, honestly, I'm just touching on a few of these things because there's so much, and there's so many scriptures to back up so many of these things that we're talking about. The next one is, will we be known in heaven? 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, I shall know just as I also am known. In other words, I will know others and they'll know me. But it's not, it, but, but this scripture, it's not saying that We'll know everything, but it's saying that we will know others. We will be known as we are known. Listen, when Peter, when, when Jesus saw Moses and Elijah, and he was fellowshipping and hanging out with them, 
And Peter looked. He didn't say, he didn't go to Jesus and say, who is that Jesus? Who were you talking to over there? No, when Jesus came out, Peter said, oh, let us build something for you and Elijah and Moses. Let us build. He knew who they were. I believe when we see the saints, we're going to know who Abraham is. We're going to know who David is. We're going to know people. We're going to know each other. We're going to know our family when we see them in heaven. And, and you know, a, a lot of people, you know, they, they just... It's, it's hard for them to imagine, but when you start reading, I know we read a lot of things in the Bible. Some people read the Bible through in a year. Some people read the Bible about faith. Some people uh, read the Bible about overcoming sin. But I'll tell you, you, you get in, your, in the Word of God and you start reading about heaven. You start reading about eternity. I mean, you just, it's, it's kind of exciting. You know, you start imagining, you know, as much as, you know, I was reading and listening to this stuff. I'm, man, I just can almost see my family, you know, or just get excited about, uh, you know, what about Cornelius or the centurion servant or the woman at the well or, or the woman with the alabaster box of ointment, you know, all of these people, all of these saints. And the Bible says in Hebrews, I brought the scripture up before, that there's a, there, we have a whole gang, they, they, they're just cheering us on. We have witnesses in heaven. Amen that are cheering us on. They're, they're, they're already there. They're not sleeping. It's not like they don't exist. They are there. Amen? Number two, will we go to heaven immediately? And I said number two, but I don't know how many I have. I'm just saying that. We'd have 20. We could have five. There could be 100 here. Will we go to heaven immediately? Many that's popular teach. Uh, soul sleep, you know, that those who have died are actually in some sort of uh, suspended state until the second coming of Christ. That's not true. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that we immediately, when we die, we go to heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says this, says we are confident. This is what the Apostle Paul said. And man, he was caught up into the third heaven. He was, he, you know, he had some experiences. He said, it says here, we are confident, yes, well. We are confident. In other words, it's, it's immediately when you're absent from the body, you are present we are, you are present with the Lord. Amen? Any person that you have lost that is saved, uh, they're in the presence of the Lord. Now, we get sorrowful because we miss people. When people die and they go to heaven, we, just, we miss them. You know, we don't want... You know, we don't want them to leave. They, you know, a lot of them are our parents, or maybe we've lost a child. Or, but I'm telling you, they are in the presence of Jesus, and they're living a way better life than we are down here. Amen. So we immediately go to heaven. Uh, will we be able to uh, communicate? Like I said before, we're not going to be floating around clouds playing a harp. Maybe, I don't know, if some of you, maybe if you like to play a harp, maybe that'll be your ministry. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but we will be able to communicate. We will be able to recognize uh, our family. And uh, we will be able to talk. You know, you, you just read all, the, all of the saints in the Bible, what I just read to you in Revelations, when they were talking to God, we'll be able to communicate. Will we have emotions? Now, I want you to notice that the people in heaven, along with God and Jesus, they care deeply about what's going on in the earth. And uh, it says in, let me just read that scripture. Okay. Uh, we talk about, it says in the Bible that there is joy in heaven 
over one sinner that repents. Is that not an emotion? There are emotions in heaven. There'll be, there'll be, but, the, but all of the tears, everything, I'm going to read your scripture, all of that is going to be wiped away. There's going to be unimaginable joy and peace in the presence of God when we get to heaven. I want to read this excerpt. It's from 90 Minutes in Heaven. It's a true story by Don Piper. It was written years ago. And I love this story. It talks about family reunions. Now, when I married Pastor Ed, when I was growing up, we had family reunions. And it was our church family reunions. We had, my mom had 10 sisters and brothers, and, and my grandmother had, I mean, we had aunts, uncles, and we would go to this, we went to a, a Lebanese church, and, and uh, we would go to these family reunions out in a park, and, and, and the, way they would, the way they would raise funds, they would bring in, it wasn't like a church family reunion, even though the church was putting it on, okay? We'd have this family reunion, all your aunts, all of your uncles, everybody would come out, and then they'd bring out the belly dancer, and that's how they raised money for the church. They would throw the money down, they'd have three or four belly dances, they put the monies with it, you know, and we all grew up wanting to be a belly dancer. We were all wanting to be the next one raising money for the church. So we'd all practice to see who was, my mother was a good dancer. But she got saved. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Listen, when I got married, my mom, at the church I got married in, they didn't, even be, they, didn't have, they didn't even believe in dancing. They didn't have any of that. But the reception was at the church. And my mom and JoJo's family, they, they didn't, we didn't know any of that. We're just all new Christians. All of us just really got saved. And my mom and my uncle, JoJo's dad, used to win dance contests. And so they come in, they bring the food and the cake, and they bring the Lebanese music. And I mean, my mom's, you know, and my uncle's like, oh, and, I, and I'm getting married and everything, but I'm a Christian now, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Ed's family's going to think we're so bad. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like out of those... Bible movies when you see the Egyptians moving when the, you know the calf when they're dancing around the golden calf. It it was it was but everybody, you know, everybody had a good time and anyhow thank all my family got saved and they were, they were all in heaven. Jojo's dad got saved. But you know what? They were just having a good time. But anyhow, that's how we raised money at family reunions. That's how the church did it, you know? But when I got married, before I read this, when I got married, um Pastor, he didn't know anything. I didn't tell him any of these stories or anything, but he says to me, I'm on fire for God now. I'm just, you know, wanting to be in church, everything. So he goes, hey, we're having, my family's having a family reunion. And I go, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, we're going to go. So we go to California. We go to his family reunion, and I am not kidding you. I thought I was in heaven. It's the Daniels family reunion, which is his dad's side, but also his mom, they're called the Abrahams, and they all know each other. And so they all come to this big family reunion. They bring in their pianos. They bring in their guitars. They bring in, and you know what it is? All day long, it's just a big worship service. Everybody's eating food. Everybody's worshiping God. I'm thinking, this is like the most awesome thing I've ever seen in my life. Do people really do this? When you grow up in New England, you just, just some of you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been to a, re a family reunion where they worship God? where everything they do is surrounded by the things of God. 
man, I just wanted to, of course, I wanted to go to the family reunion every year, amen? And, uh, but let me tell you about this family reunion in heaven by this man, Don Piper. He, he died for 90 minutes. He was medically dead. It's confirmed in all the, the, the records and everything. And uh, the book is called 90 Minutes in Heaven. And he said, as I try to explain this, my words seem weak and hardly adequate because I have to use earthly terms to refer to unimaginable joy, unimaginable excitement, warmth, and total happiness. Everyone continually embraced me, touched me, spoke to me, laughed, and praised God. This seemed to go on for a long time, but I didn't tire of it. My father is one of 11 children. Some of his brothers and sisters had as many as 13 children. When I was a kid, our family reunions were so huge, we rented an entire city park in Monticello, Arkansas. We Pipers are affectionate with a lot of hugging and kissing whenever we come together. None of those earthly family reunions, however, prepared me for the sublime gathering of saints I experienced at the gates of heaven. Those who had gathered at Monticello were some of the same people waiting for me at the gates of heaven. Heaven was many things, but without a doubt, it was the greatest family reunion of all. Everything I experienced was like a first-class buffet for the senses. I had never felt such, a power, such powerful embraces or feasted my eyes on such beauty. Heaven's light and texture defy earthly eyes or explanation. Warm, radiant light engulfed me. As I look around, I could hardly grasp the vivid, dazzling colors. Every hue and tone surpassed anything I had ever seen. With all the heightened awareness of my senses, I felt as if I had never seen, heard, or felt anything so real before. Heaven's going to be real. It's going to feel real. I don't recall that I tasted anything, yet I knew that if I had, that too would have been more glorious than anything I had eaten or drunk on the earth. The best way I can explain it is to say that I felt as if I was in another dimension. Never, even in my happiest moments, had I ever felt so fully alive. I stood speechless in front of the crowd of loved ones, still trying to take in everything. Over and over, I heard how overjoyed they were to see me and how excited they were to have me among them. Doesn't that make you want to go there? I mean, they're just on the other side. They're, they're out there. They're not like, they're not, there. they're not out there and like, they're, they're in a place called heaven. They're walking the streets of gold. Amen. They're living somewhere. They're walking and they're breathing and they're talking to God and worshiping God. Uh, they're there day and night and they're waiting for us. And yet they're cheering us on and they're probably doing a lot of other things. Amen. But the greatest thing about heaven is going to be the fellowship of other believers and the fellowship with the Father that we're going to have. Now, I, you know what? I remember, and you probably remember this too, when I first got saved, you know, I was excited that I wasn't going to go to hell, but that I was going to go to heaven. But you know what? You could have told me heaven had the biggest ice cream sundaes, or I was going to move into a castle that was worth millions. You could have you told me about the streets of gold. You could have told me anything. But all I wanted to do was see Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's what's going to be the greatest thing about heaven. The fellowship with Jesus, the, our Lord and our Savior, and what he has done for, for us. Let's look at Revelations chapter 21, 1 through 5. 
And I'm almost, I'm just about in closing. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Amen. It's going to be awesome to fellowship, not only with God, but with even, even with the saints. Heaven is not a mythical place. It's a holy dwelling where God is. Amen. And although we, we, we can't even comprehend the splendor, the Bible gives us beautiful descriptions of that place. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we believe that he died for our sins, that is where we go when we leave this earth. Amen. That is where in, in uh, Revelation 7:15 it says, therefore they are, they are before the throne of God they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them, and they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor the heat, for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains. And there was one more scripture I wanted to read to you. Okay, it's in uh, verse 23 of Revelations 21. It talks about that there's going to be 12 gates, and these gates will be made of pearls. That's pretty, that's some of you that like to design your homes. Wonder what that looked like if we had every doorway designed in pearls, those big oyster pearls. That's going to be one big pearl, right? But Revelation 21 says this, verse 23. It goes on to say that in heaven there will be no more sun or moon, that the glory of God and the light of the Lamb will be its illumination. The city, this is so awesome, had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. Amen? I mean, we kind of like... We're getting, uh, are they turning the clocks ahead or back or something this year again? I just heard they were, but, but we, I hear people talk about, you know, I hate it when they turn the clock. I like it when they turn the clock uh, back because you get an extra hour of sleep. But I don't like all this darkness, you know. In the summer, the days are long and light and nice. Well, well there's not going to be any, any darkness in heaven. And who can go to heaven? Who's going to go there? Those that accept Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, those that believe, the Bible says, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes would not perish. That means there's a perish in gonna, that's going to go on. But God said in Peter, he said, uh, you know, it's not my will it's that, that anyone should perish, but that all come into the kingdom, amen? But it says, whosoever shall not perish but believe, you will not perish, but believe 
that Jesus is Lord. Amen? I quoted that scripture wrong, but anyhow, let me just start it over again. For God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Listen, you are going to live forever. You are definitely, I don't care what you think, your opinion doesn't count. Only what the word of God says, and the word says he has an everlasting, and this is what God showed me as we close. God showed me this. He said, because he said he, his love for us is eternal and everlasting. Even those that didn't choose him, even those that are separated from him for eternity, his love is still everlasting, but he's a just God. His love is still everlasting. Have you ever seen somebody hurt that you love very much? How did that make you feel? See, God loves the world. So you got to choose Jesus. Amen? Read your Bible. Choose Jesus. We're going to say this prayer right now. And if you'll receive Jesus, if you'll say this prayer with me and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and confess and believe it in your heart, the Bible says you shall be saved. The Bible uses the word saved over and over and over again. Listen, we got something to be saved from, so we need to receive Jesus. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. And, I, and I'll, let's all just say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come to you now. And I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I thank you that you love me with an everlasting love. And Lord, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I thank you now that I'm forgiven. My sins have been washed away. I'm on my way to heaven in Jesus' name.